So did the method, it moved away from me and closed in on Finn? It, uh, it coalesced out of the smoke from Finn's shot, ruined your shot by bouncing off your barrel, and as it was leaping at Finn, Magrin nailed it with a word of dispersal, which caused it to pass right through and over Finn. Where it co- and as it, as it was coalescing behind him, Juro then went to nail it with a lightning lure, but it saw Juro coming and didn't coalesce yet. It snuck out of the lure in a smoky form so they couldn't grab it. And now it is coalescing and you're able to attack it if you want. I think I'm going to move forward. So I know we have two people running down a hall. Are the two skeletons still there? Well, you guys are still up some stairs from the flat part that leads into the hall. Um, you're all still up on that landing, right? Shooting down on the place where... So where, I'll be uh, running down then. Okay, so you blow right past the... Right past this melee because it's just smoke as far as you're concerned and the physical monster is downstairs. Very good. So, yeah, Garnak, uh, as Juro lays into the corner with a lightning lure, you see like the crackling of lightning lighting up the poorly shaped stone and you run down these round humpy stairs to the bottom to help Vesper. About halfway down the stairs you are close enough to take a shot at this method. I got a 14 on the shot. So that one nails the earth method. Uh, Roll your damage. Six damage. And whatever other movement I have I'd probably use to pursue the two humans. All right, so Garnet goes running down the stairs, blasts a chunk off this mud method as he runs past down the hall after the two fleeing wizards. Um, Garnet, ahead of you, you see these two skeletons who are kind of hobbling along because they're not exactly anatomically complete and uh, kind of slow for all of that. I mean, one of them is clearly missing a foot. I know that feels. But they both turn to face you. I think one of them only has one arm, and uh, they, they start clattering down the hall back at you as Felon and Hawken run off down into the dark. Uh-oh. So the first skeleton, with the, the one with both feet but one arm, takes what's left of its remaining arm and just hauls, like it's humorous, and just hauls it off at the scapula. Uh, it's, for the record, it's the right humorous in its left hand. And with its jawless face, it kind of hunches its posture over and charges you down the hall, waving that bone at you. We'll cut back to the main action for a minute because now we're at Finn's turn. So having seen Magrin blow that smoke method apart, Finn sort of quickly sizes up the two scenarios, one at the top and one at the bottom, and decides that the bottom is where the real threat is, and that Jiro and Magrin can probably take care of the smoke method. So he's going to jump down. It's uh, it's kind of a vault, so you, uh, you hold your rifle to one end, put your other on the rough lip of the bowl-shaped landing, and uh, leap down onto the mud method. Roll athletics. <laughs> That's a six. Okay, then I need you to make a dexterity save. Please don't hit me in the head. Natural 20. Alright, well at least you don't break anything. 
you missed like you go to jump over and uh the like as you place your hand you go to swing your leg over and the smoke mythic coalesces just enough to grab your coats right and haul you back completely throwing the momentum of your leap which causes you to slide more than sail downwards onto the rough flat patch however you manage that slide with a plume and when you come up your rifle is cocked and ready for the shot are either of the two wizards in my view or they disappeared now they've run off far ahead down a hall okay so in that case the mud method uh is pretty sh- it's like halfling size right Yep, and it still has a hold of Vesper by her upper arm. And the skeletons are approaching Garnak? About 25 feet further down the hallway, yes. All right, I'm going to shoot at the skeleton. The charging one or the one that's hanging back? The charging one. Okay, take your shot. Natural 20. Good shot. Garnak, also take a shot. I got a six. All right. Well then, in that case, the reason your shot doesn't go off is because the thing fucking explodes just as you squeeze the trigger. You're not aiming to the right side of the hallway, so your shot goes wide. I'll probably backpedal just a little bit, maybe about five or ten feet, and see if I can line up another shot. Okay, it'll take a couple seconds. With that, the other skeleton attacks, but uh, Ben, I still need you to roll your damage. 19. Yeah, I was right. It explodes. Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master, and so it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains mature themes, adult content, coarse language, and things that might offend sensitive listeners. And so, listener discretion is strongly advised. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing, then thrill to these tales of terror in a town called Tallwater, far away in the West. It's the sort of place that has a space for the good and the bad and the worst and the best, and the sane and the mad and the cursed and the blessed. If not at its university, at least in its menagerie. What weirdness will these academic adventurers uncover in this Eldritch episode? Well, I could tell you, but we'd rather show you we're the Runelanders. This is Tallwater Tales. So get ready, runatics, and let's roll. Magrin's gonna hit the mud monster this time, since I think the shadow demon hasn't reformed. The smoke method? No, it's it's still smoky. Um, then I'm going to uh, toll the dead on the mud method that is holding our demoness. Let him have it. Will save, please. That passes. So, you uh, go to disperse the 
mud method, but it is a lot more substantial than its smoke-born compatriot. And we're at the top of the round of the Vesper. With her prey getting further and further away, is it an action to escape a grapple? It's a contested athletics check. All right, I'm going to try to escape the grapple. 18. So it's not strong. That's a, that's a 15. You pull its hand off. And as she tears away from it, I would like to try in wild shape. Okay, what sort of shape do you have in mind? I want to turn into... I want to have long legs built for running fast with claws that grip the ground, elongated nose, something built for tracking and for taking down. Oh, the Shenouda, those long reptilian predators of the glaciers, those master stalkers, those long serpentine things. So as you go running down the hallway, you just kind of Imagine that motion, that speed, and there's a thing that happens. It starts at the base of your spine, and it spreads out through all of your limbs and all down to your extremities. And finally, Vesper, with a breath, you lose your two-leggedness. You fall over with a stumble and a roll. But when you get when you roll back up, you're on four feet and much faster. Everybody else, you watch Vesper go running off, and as she runs, she just kind of de-reses, like her hands all melt together, and then her limbs are just kind of tentacly, and then she flops to the ground, and it's like a slap that sounds like it should hurt, but when that mass bounces up again, it's in the form of a long, serpentine viper hound. It has beautiful white scales and a crest of black fur that runs all the way down its back. It has long, long legs that end in long, taloned feet and a alligator-like muzzle full of sharp needle teeth. She tears off down the hall wearing this form. Well, holy fuck. Well, that's new. Um... Juro will uh, shake his head after watching that spectacle and focus on the the mud method that that Vesper left behind. It's still standing there, right? It is currently plodding off down the hallway after her, yes. Yeah, uh, I'll jump into the room and uh, assess the situation from ground floor. uh, And... uh, run up to as close behind the the mud method as I can. There's no room to slide down the way that Finn went, so in two bounds you clear the makeshift staircase. It takes the same amount of time. Okay, perfect. And uh, as soon as I'm within range, or as as soon as I'm in line of sight, sorry, I'm going to fire off a firebolt. Roll to hit with disadvantage as the smoke mythic coalesces around your head and grabs your ears with a wrench. Uh, Both rolls were uh, not natural 20. 
What can I say? Some things are meant to be. The smoke method grabs your ear and wrenches. But you're Jero fucking Velot, and this is a firebolt. There is no way. There is no day in any week of any month of any year when you will wake up and fuck this spell up. Because you are a master magician. And this is how it... This is how we do, right? <laughs> you can't cast with someone hitting you? Go home, son. You ain't no wizard. Anyway... It's just a flick of the of the finger against the the forefinger, almost like uh, flicking away a cigarette end. Uh, just the spark from it grows into just a a small ball of fire that uh, rockets at the mud method for four fire damage. It hits the wet mud of the method, and you can see it dries the sand out. That portion of the method crumbles away devoid of any shape and there is a noticeable dent above its right where its right kidney would be were it a living human thing i believe that fins up okay so i'm gonna take a shot at the mud method all right so that is a 25 good shot damage 17 all right, so as it goes plodding off, um, like Vesper pulls herself free, its hand goes gloop. It uh, shakes its appendage, and another hand forms on the end of it. The method goes striding off, slap, 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 slap. When Juro fries its right side up, a cascade of sand falls off, and you see the thing kind of bend double in that way that things that get punched in the kidney do. And... Uh, then continue on with its running after Vesper, who is charged off down the hall. After Garnak. Garnak, it must be mentioned that uh, not only does this things that does this skeleton waving its humerus and charging you, it, its head just explodes. But that's not the weird thing. Its head explodes, and then like all of these vines just kind of bind the whole rest of the skeleton together in a ball as it skids to a halt beside you. Um, squeak, stop, squeak, stop, squeak, stop, squeak, stop. You run right by it. Uh, Vesper comes up the hallway behind you and then the, you hear like a like another shot and like this echoing slap sound, like this a splattering that just hits you both in the back, Vesper and Garnak. Like it's like a, a sonic scent. You can feel the sound. Um, Juro, the mud method takes three more steps before it fucking explodes. How close am I to it when that happens? Close enough to wipe it off your face as you go running right past. Um, Finn, it's the neatest thing. He's got a crown of smoke. Like, there's this crown of smoke which is tearing at his hair and pulling his ears, but Juro doesn't seem to be paying it any attention. So after my shot, I'm going to use my movement to take off after the two wizards as well. All right, you go rocketing off down the hallway and uh, blow past Jura. Magrin, you're up last, I think. Magrin realizes she's quickly fallen behind everyone as this has turned into a race and she has very tiny legs. You can catch Finn if you dash. Okay, I'll, I'll go up, to, I'll run up that uh, towards Finn the entire time mumbling 
gang youths and the running around. What happened to battling in a single room where it's open and I could be? Finn, you can hear the mumbling approaching. Auntie needs a ride. <laughs> this occasionally, you know, like now and again, Auntie needs a ride. And it's not something either of you discuss. She's just a little lady, and she, her legs are not very long. So she comes running up yelling, and without even thinking, in front of everybody, you snap her up and put her right where she sits in your backpack. Magrin, this is probably not the ideal thing. You had maybe intended to keep close to him and ask him to maybe slow down so that we could get there safely, but okay. This'll work. <laughs> I think I'd probably just dash to see how close I can get to him, to the two humans. Well, there's still another skeleton, is there not? Oh, okay. So the only the first one exploded. I'll Indeed switch to the axe. Is. So, um, yeah. So Garnak squeak stomp, squeak stomp, squeak stomp. You sling the you sling the rifle and unship the axe from your hip. Um, it finds its way into your hands and gladly, you know. There is lots to be said for technology, without question. You are a master of it, and you're like a master in particular of security systems. There are a few better than you. But at the same time, there is a part of you in your very core which wants the Baruch Hazad, Hazad Aymenu, the axes of the dwarves. Am I right? Well, the wedge is a very nice, simple tool, and I just plan on put, putting it through the skeleton. Fair enough. Roll your attack. I got a 20, not natural. That'll get him. And four damage. Okay. So you go running up, the skeleton reaches, like the skeleton, it's the one with one foot. Um, you know, the, the, you, you there is that moment of kinship, like you said, right? Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. But it reaches out to grab you and you take a swat at it with your axe. The rest of the combat fades in the background and the camera crew settles on Garnak and the skeleton. So it reaches, like, it tugs its hand out of the way and uh, you go barreling past it, but it spins as you spin to face it. You, you skid to a halt with your Foot striking sparks off the stone floor. I'll try. I'll take a swing at its good leg, and then try to press up again, uh, get as close as I can to it, and try and block a path that everyone else can run past and go after uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Okay, roll. Well, I got a six on the attack, and which means I'm probably just go. So uh, looks like I'm missing, but I'll try and just impose my body between the skeleton and everyone else. All right. So, uh, yeah, you both take a swing at each other, and it's another pass, right? You switch sides again. You're up. All right, 22. That'll get him. For nine damage. This time, the skeleton charges you. You charge it. It reaches out. It sets its hands around your neck, and you clear its hips out with the blunt end of your axe. You just crush it. It's a backhanded swing, 
There is no mercy in this. You break the skeleton all together. It falls down. Its ribcage butts up against yours, and uh, its hands scrabble in your hair. A bony thumb finds its way into your ear, and then for a second, there's this sick sort of sound as all the sound is blocked off from that side of your head. But uh, you push this rib cage down, and with its fingers grasping at your face, you raise your butt of your axe again and smash its head into the cobblestones as everybody else runs by you. Yeah, I just start pulling. I start pulling bones off of my face. Get that hand out. Get the ear out. Make sure I can still hear. I just start cleaning everything off before I move anywhere else. All right. Um, yeah, so you, you stop and pull the bone shards out of your beard and, you know, you, you fix yourself a bit and, you know, you've got these these new stinging scrapes on your neck. Like, they won't leave a scar. They didn't cause any real damage, but you can feel them, right? Like, man, your heart is pumping, your air is, your, air, the air is in your lungs. You feel alive. Make sure the bones are clear knocking in the way, then I'll turn and see if I could uh, follow behind and chase. The last one at the edge of your dark vision is Juro. After you grab one of the toe bones from the one-footed skeleton's remaining foot, ironically enough, you pin the squeak stopper and run silently down the hall after Juro. Oh, finally. All right. So, the first one who went running after them, of course... So yes, I am tracking these guys down and following their scent and I would like to use my um my sprint feature in order to find them as quickly as possible. Then I'm going to need you to roll a dexterity save with disadvantage. 13. So as you come plowing out of the end of the corridor at speed, you hit the net, which has been a hungover door. You are entangled in this net and restrained. It will take you a full round's worth of action to catch yourself. Then that is what she will do. This gives the wizards a full round of attacks on you. I know. However, it seems the dice love you tonight because they don't notice that you've tangled yourself up and run further into the guts of the island. Next up, Finn and Magrin. You burst into the room to see Vesper lying in a heap of nets, shaking the nets off her newly regrown antlers. Do you need assistance? I have opposable thumbs. This thing is really cool, Magrin. It looks like a cross between a Greyhound Rottweiler mix with a snake's skin and great big brass antlers and like a mouthful of needle-sharp teeth. Oh man, does she want to analyze, but she realizes this is Vesper and that would be wrong. It is hard not to ask a thousand questions right now. Vesper is doesn't seem to realize that you two are there. She's just like scrabbling at the net trying to get it off of her. What does the room we've just come into look like? Okay, so this is a bigger cave, but 
The spot you're standing on is a hub of rock. This actually appears to be a bunch of big rocks all piled together, right? One of those openings. Uh, space more than a cave. Yes, like the remnants of a rock slide or something that left some open space in between. Right, a cavity in a rock. Uh, yeah, a cavity in a big pile of rocks. So you're standing on a smooth hop of rock, looking over to the right where Vesper has come to it, halt against the, the stone on the far side. It's like just a big flat piece of granite. And, um, like, have we come out of darkness into a lit room now? Because they're what they were holding lights, right? Oh, they're not here. Okay. No, they've run ahead down a path with their lights. Got it. So Finn will crouch down and let Magrin off to help Vesper untangle herself. Magrin clambers off Finn's back to go get the net off Vesper so she can run. It's right about now that Juro enters the room. Anything standing out to me? Just that Finn swung Magrin up onto his shoulders and is now gently helping her down to help Vesper out of the nets in which she's entangled. Now that I'm getting a better look at this new form of uh, Vesper, we all saw her transform, right? Yeah, it was really cool. Okay, good. Just making sure that I am aware that this is actually Vesper. She did it in the space of three steps. The first one was like one foot, two foot, but land on four feet running at speed, which just like she just vanished into the darkness. Let's not tarry. Yeah, no, we should definitely keep going. Vesper, are, are you okay? Are you still you? Are you in any pain? Okay, still Vesper, still definitely Vesper. Gurnak would probably come running past this sounds like one side and just start no longer squeak stomping quite triumphantly and actually run past making only a ridiculously large amount of noise. He's never exactly quiet. You don't stop a boulder once it's rolling. Yeah, rattle, 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 rattle. All right, so Gurnak, you head off and there's a small crevice which humans can walk through. Anyway, the passage which goes down there is uh, up out of the water on a raised wooden boardwalk. It kind of sways and moves with your motion as you're walking. The whole thing kind of like leans and sways with every step. Boom, boom, boom. The thing kind of shakes one side or the other. Are there any signs of Tweedledee and Tweedledum? Just the vanishing lights up the hallway as they run. All right, I'm going to keep moving after them. I'm going to keep trying to keep up pursuit. I'm assuming everyone else will be able to catch and pass me before too long. Can you roll a perception check for me, Garnick? I got a 17. Smell. What is that smell? It's the marjoram. Oh, yeah, those spell chuckers. Marjoram is a common component in Expedition Street for whatever reason. Maybe the smell of it helps them focus. But that's, yeah... That's why that. That's why they're so far ahead. Oh, these guys are long gone, at least for me. Sidebar: Is it because you only need a dash? Yes, Craig. No. That was excellent, though. Yes. Thank you. Honestly, I gotta say that of that, 
but you, you, you just won. Take inspiration. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I would have took away inspiration. Oh, that's how it is. <laughs> I'm going to have to start bringing my morning radio sound effects. They're moving ahead. They amplified their speed. Finn is quickly pulling up, and Garnack is quickly behind him. And you can hear the sound of Magrin, who has taken the liberty of sitting on Vesper's shoulders as they dash down the hall. Vesper honestly doesn't care. She's just trying to catch these guys. We just go sprinting past Finn. Audience, if you want to make fan art, this is the time to make fan art. Yes. Absolutely. So, as Magrin and Vesper go blazing past you, Gardak, um, Finn and Juro come running up and pause to where you're standing because, you know, honestly, it's worth standing and watching the movement. Because she just rockets ahead into the dark. The two, the three of you stand there for a second, all looking and watching this go, exchange a glance between each other, draw a deep breath, and keep running. Yeah, that's something I didn't think I'd see today. There's probably a lot of things I thought I wouldn't see today, but somehow that just feels top of the list. We better focus on keeping up, boys. I feel like Magrin's just whooping, like, woohoo! <laughs> This is the fastest she's ever moved in her entire life. That's probably faster than any of us have moved in our entire lives. Including Vesper. So let, so we're after them. We're, we're chasing. Yes, back to, back to the chase. Ladies, the next room that you enter is a big chamber, which you are surprised to find is open to the sea. There is a screen of foliage which hangs down, but there can be no doubt about it. There is a beach in here, a small one, on which sits a rowboat. The rowboat which Felon and Hawkins are dragging towards the water. A rowboat which has a couple of ropes off the front of it. Right now, Felon and Hawkins are using it to drag it toward the waterline, but uh, whatever they're going to do with it when they get there, they don't appear to be oars. I would like to pounce on the back of Felon and knock him down and bite his fucking head. How far does pounce take you? And actually, you don't have pounce. You have True. I do have a speed of 30 feet, though. Or, sorry, not 30 feet, 50 feet. Yeah. So you'll be able to close and attack him this route, but you can't use that pounce. Yep. I just want to... I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna attack him with my bite. Okay. Well, he can see you coming, so as you're charging, he gets an opportunity attack. Alright, so as you're Charging, you see, you were you were attacking Felon. Yes. Felon stops and looks and fixes you with his gaze, reaches out, and you can see on the tips of his fingers as he reaches out and closes his hand, 
while he's like just growling this eldritch verbiage, this sickly necromantic thomic cant. He reaches out out of the tips of all of his left, like every fingertip on his left hand, there is a burning fell green radiance in the shape of a rune. Each one of these runes you see on his hand, on his fingertips, is also present around his wrist. And as his mouth opens and closes as he talks, you can see the same light leaking out from his mouth. Jero. Have we all come into the room at this point? You are now pouring into the room at this point, but about 15 feet before you get to the door, your left hand begins to itch like the blazes. I tuck it under my arm and continue bolting forward and burst into the into the next chamber. I can help you, you know. Shut up. Shut up. It wouldn't take much. Can we do this later, please? But you need me now. I can give you the power to destroy them where they stand. And then... You can help me for a while. And when we're even, you can go your own way. Being frank, you are of much greater use to me than they. They haven't found me yet. I have no doubt that you will. Uh, Not in the business of making deals with things I haven't seen. I'm not really in the business of making deals at all. This is all happening within like a very couple of seconds, right? Like it's yes. mine. Yeah. All of this, all of these people, Juro, you could save them from what comes next. I don't know what comes next. I'm not a diviner. What do you no. mean? What comes next? Wait and see then. Or come and see. The choice is yours. We'll talk when I find you. I'm afraid you don't have much time, friend. From every way I can see this ending, it doesn't come up well for you. What could you possibly do? Just then Hawkins stops and clutches at his throat. Right about the same time as Vesper clears Felon out. But completely independent of everything, Hawkins stops, clutches at his throat and with a look of absolute horror, falls to his knees gasping you're gonna kill him not before your friend kills his companion I'm gonna call her off, I don't want them dead we need them for questioning okay, look whatever it is that you want from me, I need those two alive I'll I'll take whatever deal, just I need them. And Hawkins falls over, gasping for breath. So swollen. So sealed. And the Sahuagin who care coming to pull the boat away stop as the island shifts and the opening to the sea closes. The hell? Closes how? Like it just, the rocks just shift and close the open to the sea. With the kids on our side? Yep. 
The whole thing just shifts. The whole island just goes and shifts into a new setting. You get there, Finn, just in time to see this close completely. Finn's going to run up and point his rifle straight in Hawkins' face. Hawkins, who is now breathing easily, looks and with the defeated laugh of the completely fucked, just puts his hands up, looks up the barrel at you. Felon is bleeding badly. Vesper, you gored him good. He's uh, come off your antlers, though, and as you stand there with your head down, kind of stalking towards him, snapping your jaws at him, he's crawling backwards. He's been gored through just above his left hip. And he's like, ha, <laughs> fucking monsters. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Fuck, I should have gone into divining. Master Felon. I'm biting his head off. I need you both to roll initiative then, Jiro and Vesper. 10. 17. So, as you walk up, you say, Master Felon. And Felon looks at you, his eyes settle set on you. He sees it's Juro. There's a moment of hope because he knows that you are a law and order sort and that you're not the sort to murder him where he stands. You, he realizes now that you've come to arrest him. And uh, with the horrifying hell creature that's sitting there with its with her lambent eyes burning in the dark uh, of, the closed, of the now closed off cavern, um, I gotta say, from where he sits, it's probably not a good spot. He's also bleeding pretty bad. You can tell he's afraid. He looks at you, and the relief on his face is palpable. He reaches his hand out, and uh, that's when Vesper grabs it in her jaws, pulls him towards her, and with a quick snap of her neck, she grabs his whole head in her mouth. Vesper, Vesper. With a wrench, roll your damage. Eight piercing damage, max damage. Like she gives her power, the powerful muscles in her transformed neck a wrench, and uh, there's a crunch, and that's it for Felon. You can taste his cologne, Vesper. You can taste that fucking oil that he puts in his hair. His grooming routine leaves him with a smell, and it was the first thing that hit you right in the nose when the material became real to you. When the world soaked out and suddenly became overwhelmingly hot and full of all kinds of smells, and filthy the fucking air here is filthy, that's all that fills your mouth and nose now. With a wretch, you spit him out and lose your transformed form. With, uh no small amount of vulgarity you wretch your last meal out into the water in your bipedal form it's just too much for you and as she turns back into herself as the limbs become smaller and the scales recede beyond just the swearing there is also very audible pain in the vocalizations that she is making. She's also literally covered in blood. Finn crouches down and grabs Hawkins by the hair and pulls him up to his seated position to see what's just happened and says, I guess you better start talking. 
we rejoin the action in the musty, sodden, subterranean lair of the smugglers, Felon and Hawkins. With a crunch and a twitch and a toss, Felon goes down. He looks like he's dead. Hawkins, collapsing from a sudden choking laid on him by a spectral presence, falls first to his knees, or first to his hands and knees, and then to his face before gasp, breathing in giant gasping breaths as Juro mutters underneath his breath to a voice only he can hear. I need both of them. What are you doing? With that, Felon gasps a terrible shuddering breath and groans in the agony of broken ribs. Uh, okay. Magrin would like to go over to Vesper and start a quick medical examination. Have I caught up yet? Yep, you come up. Now is when you come into the room, Garnak. Wow. Garnak. Finn. Yeah? Please restrain the two gentlemen. Oh, sure, sure. Finn already has a hold of Hawkins. All right. Uh, I go to Hawkins and just start searching him for diff- any types of mag- magical constructions that he might have on him that could allow him to do anything that he shouldn't be allowed to do and start pulling him from him. Hawkins is kind of a limp like a, like a noodle right now. He's had a lot of the fight taken out of him by being given a good throttling. I still pull out some chain and start lashing him around him. He is soon swiftly restrained. One of the good things about being a master of wards is that you start by learning all about locks as a kid. Like by the time you're 15, you can name and disassemble probably five to 700 common locks. Did I notice um, Jiro acting strange at all during that final bit of the encounter? He did seem a little odd, but then magic, right? Who knows with those people? He seemed to be talking to himself inside his mouth. The noises he was making anyway, but that could just be magic noises. Who knows? Got it. Once the uh, once the two reprobates are restrained, uh, Juro will walk up to uh, to Vesper, a very almost a deadly calm on his face. And Who is, Vesper is still currently sprawled out, dry heaving, covered in blood on the ground. She has not moved from where she was. Magrin is continuing to do her uh, medical check on Vesper to make sure everything went okay with her transformation. Drew will uh, grab the. Uh, sorry, pardon me. Did, did we um, did did we say that the horns grew back because of the transformation? Yes. Yeah. So Drew will grab her by one of the horns and wrench her. Ah! Up. He will. It's just a brief. 
After you. He will stand her upright in front of him. What were you saying? It isn't often that anybody gets to see the bottom of Vesper's foot. Because, like, they're those big, puffy, soft-looking, rabbity feet, right? But uh, when she's down on the ground and, and, like, not at all doing well, as she heaves and Vesper, or as she heaves and Magrin checks her pulse and pries open an eyelid, and uh, Gerald walks over and seizes her by the base of the antlers, by the base of the antler to haul her to her feet, you can see for a second that her toes flex and long, cruel hooked talons are visible through the soft fur on her foot. Um, she's lifted up to stand on the pads of her feet and uh, stands eye to eye with Jiro. What are you doing? <coughs> you nearly murdered two suspects extrajudicially. Vesper, you nearly committed an actual murder. Do you know what they do to murderers here? Well, you. Well, Juro, I just like to say I'm about to commit a murder. You put my patient yeah, down Vesper right now. Vesper looks like somebody hit her in the Vesper with a truck. Um, she's got these mottled colors playing all over her skin, and uh, yeah, she's 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 solid enough. But there's enough of the warp spasm going over her, like her white hair, her white skin is uh, actually got a short coat of fur on it, and. You know, the, the, it, it changes in the gold patterns, which are normally freckles on her face and down her back and shoulders or, you know, rolling around in various script formations. It, she's not looking at all thomically stable just at the moment. Uh, Jura will turn her face upwards with one hand on the antlers and one hand under her chin. When you lift her chin... She doesn't appear to really see you. She's looking beyond very blank, and her eyes are shifting, not just in where she's looking, but in color and in shape. Jura will see this and shake his head once. <laughs> Let her drop back to the ground very unceremoniously and uh, stomp over to where Garnak and Finn are. So, once you determine that Vesper is morphically sound, Magrin? I'm going to walk over to our prisoner and make sure that he's, you know, going to survive this. Not necessarily uh, help him or heal him, just make sure he's going to stabilize till we get him where we need to go. Well, you're going to need to drain that lung because it's quickly filling up and he'll drown. Okay, then I'm going to have to put him on his side, uh, puncture it, start draining it. I think I have some uh, syringes in my bag. I can uh, puncture the needle through the back of the rib cage and uh, start pulling it out. You do. You have a good embalming syringe that would be perfect for that. And so that's what happens uh with finn's help you roll him over onto his injured side what fight is in him is uh quickly evident 
Finn, it, uh, it actually takes you a second to pin him because dude is in exquisite pain. He growls at you. He actually tries to bite at you. Either he's stronger than he looks or there's something more at play here. Careful he doesn't bite you. We don't know what he's got. You wind up kneeling on his head as Magrin takes her big gauge syringe, gauges roughly where she should put it, and then after removing the plunger, drives it into his back. There is a sound like a pop and a suck at the same time. And then a great big slick of red pours out onto the stone and Felon can breathe. Finn kind of presses down to make sure he doesn't get away and sort of says for Magrin's ears only, I don't rightly know how he, this one isn't dead. He, you didn't see him up close like I did. He looked like he was dead before. Yeah, and Finn will um, kind of grab a, uh, a little just stray piece of driftwood or something and wedge it between his teeth to bite down on. He's happy to have it. He uh, whippers pitifully, and he doesn't look like he's going to get up anywhere. That whole side of his chest was just crushed when Vesper bit him. Well, I think at the very least, he's not going anywhere, but we should probably gag him because he was casting the magical spells before. Yeah, I'd probably start searching for him, make sure there's nothing left on him that can do any damage and pull it off him, too. I just start checking pockets, checking sleeves, checking... Uh, all the normal locations where he's going to go through and try and hide something. Once you take everything from them, they're harmless. They don't have any magical power, of their own at least. What's noteworthy about this, Garnak, is as you, uh, I mean, Philon is getting his lung drained and kind of laid out on the stone like that. They turn him over onto his face into the recovery position so that his lung can drain. And, uh, and then you have to take his shirt off to do this, obviously. All up both of his arms and onto his back are these fine line tattoos. Now, his have been somewhat mangled by the attack of the Vesper Beast so recently. But uh, when you chuck Hawkins over onto his face, onto the floor so that he doesn't cause any trouble and yank the sleeves up to the elbows so that you can slap some manacles on him, uh, some good witch cuffs, you know, like those cold iron bracers with the thumb screw that keeps your hands in a position that you can't possibly cast spells in or move them more than four inches apart. It lets you do things like eat and go to the bathroom, but that's it. These things are easy to rig. In fact, you can do it with chain and a couple of locks. I get them both locked down as well as I can. The one Magrin's working on, I'm going to try and... I'm not trying to hurt the guy. I'm not trying to cause him more pain. But I'm still going to make sure he's restrained. For sure, but like this this is easy peasy. This is basic thomic-nautic, right? This is... This is just the, the same practice you have in, you know, just moving those dragon lines so that they all line up together to make a lock that only works for one person you know the really advanced stuff this is where it starts and so i gotta say garnack 
Man, this feels kind of like being a kid again. Tying these knots, locking these bindings on. Good memories. Actually, a lot of bad memories, but I'm okay with that. You know, it's, it's just simple, mindless stuff. It's things a junior apprentice can be able to do, so no trouble at all. The rest of you see Garnak take this heavy chain and weave these bracers onto both Felon and Hawkins quickly enough that it doesn't look like he's doing all the tying and knotting that he is. But when he's done, their hands are completely useless for spell casting, or really anything other than going to the washroom or eating. And uh, Garnak made them specify which hand was for which when he was tying it on. Are they secure? Oh, yeah. They ain't going nowhere. I'm going to check his work. I happen to be a bit of a ward guy myself. Okay, so... The last time you saw something like this was um, the time you caught him knitting. Yes, knitting. He was doing a new jumper because it was getting cold, and his old one was ratty-tatty. Besides which, uh, Garnack, do you remember when you came across that whole skein of mithril wool? Oh, that was awesome. It, it, it takes strong hands, really strong hands, to comb and spin this, this yarn in the first place. And it takes hands just as strong to knit it. And so you've got some strong hands. That you still have that jumper. It's not with you now. It's it's not warm enough yet. But still, 100% mithril wool, right? When he sat there and knit a sweater of wool infused with mithril that had these symbols in the knitting. Like he would knit the wards in. Without this, this would just be a heavy wool sweater with a lot of mithril-like properties and a tendency to drown you in the water. Once he was finished with it, it protected like mithril chainmail. So these chains are similar to that. He's drawn these diagrams in like all the knots, all the layers, all the different thomic tap, like all the different thomic wefts and weaves and warps and all of this sort of thing. He did it all in three hundred six stainless chain. I, I will. Jero will cock an eyebrow at. Garnack, just not approvingly, and uh, stand back up and uh, take a few steps back and turn back towards Vesper, turning his head slightly to Magrin to say, I do hope you're done with her, because I think it's my turn. Yeah, all right, before we get to turns, are we really just going to set up here? Let's find a spot that's defensible where we might not have, oh, I don't know, a kraken pop out of the water. Let's get somewhere where we could set up shop where we can get defensible and not be surrounded by an ocean. I don't like any place where the mountains can just close in on you at any time. I agree, Garnak. I think moving to a safer ground for any interrogations you want to do would be a good idea. But let's remember who the enemy is here. Juro. Juro's the enemy? Oh, oh, never mind. I I got it. Giving him the stare down. The enemy is recklessness. It's what brought Vesper here. And 
It's what almost took Phelan and Hawkins here out. And we're going to get right with that really fast. Understood? Sure. Let's just do that from somewhere else. Even though Juro is staring down at Magrin, like it's very clear that she has a very dominant presence as well. So it, it is like they are seeing eye to eye with each other and just glaring at each other. There's definitely like a front happening between where their where their gazes are meeting. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, Magrin's definitely not backing down on this. I scoop up Felon, throw him over my shoulder, and start walking back towards uh, off the little pier into get, trying to find a spot that's a little bit more defendable. Finn does the same with Hawkins. It is then that you notice the wall behind Juro is dark, but it shouldn't be that dark. And now that your eyes have all adjusted to the light that gets in through the now much smaller opening to the sea, the daylight illuminates the cavern, and you can see that there are walls there and there, but Juro doesn't appear to be standing in front of anything, which is odd, because a moment ago, when you all came in here, this was a pretty straight wall leading right to the pier. It's the wall we came out of when we entered this beach? Like It's kind of a beach in a cave? Yep. Uh, it's another grotto, like the one upstairs. This one is just full of water and it was open to the sea. Uh, it also has a little bit of a sandy beach. You came out of a, I don't want to say tunnel, because it wasn't a tunnel, it was a passage. Cracks between the rocks that make up Hawthorne Hill. The same ones that shift and breathe elsewhere in the island. And the wall that was there and now is no longer there is like one of the side walls of the grotto. It would have sworn there was a wall right behind where Gerald was standing when you came in here. This grotto now goes much farther back in that direction than you originally thought. And like, it's not an oversight. You're sure of it. Like you saw Gerald's shadow on that wall when you were helping Magrin with Fila. Can we see down the new tunnel? Not unless you take a couple steps further out of the daylight, dark vision. That's what Finn is going to do. Not enter the tunnel, just step into the shadows a bit so he can get his eyes adjusted. Yeah, this is the camera. It has a look at Finn as he stands up and picks up his rifle and advances a little further into the dark. There's a medium shot of the front of his like a front on where his eyes glint gold. And then the perspective changes to Finn's and Finn, you can see that there is another passage, much like the one you came down, except not as exposed to the light from outside. In fact, not at all. It leads back further into this island. Have the others noticed this? Well, by your action just now, this has all been visible. Everybody has seen all this happening. So everybody else, how do you react? I kind of dropped Hawkins like a ragdoll, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
Like first to you, Jero, it looks like Finn is, Finn looks at you like something is crawling on your clothes. But I mean, you're a professor, you're used to that. I don't think I've seen this. I think my back was to this. And then he takes his rifle and starts like, lopes over a couple of steps towards you and looks right past you. Is Vesper back on her feet? Vesper is currently kneeling in the water, trying to scrub the blood off of her face and her hands. Doesn't really work, but she's trying. Yeah, this don't look good. Yeah, this isn't ominous at all. Nah. Okay, we have wounded. We have... We have situations that we don't have accounted for yet. Let's find a place to hole up and come back here later. is recorded live and curated, produced, and edited by me with indispensable help from Cassie Goodwin-Harrison, Matthew Harrison, Chris Stokovaz, Greg Setnick, and Carrie Copley. All the usual people played all the usual parts, and if you want to know more about them, you can find out all about them, all about the little Easter eggs that I scattered through these episodes, and so much more at runelanders.com. Watch for our vastly improved website coming up soon that'll about do it for this episode next time on moonlanders we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun you have to check it out we'll see you then i'm dm matt adam i'm dm goodbye reminding you to roll high and don't die until next take good care 